0: I know this is probably something. Let me ask you something. Have you ever met somebody? And by their appearance and by the way they look and, and everything, man, they were beautiful, handsome, hot, whatever words you want to call them. But the more you get to know them, they become something that's not quite that.
1: The
0: more you get to their outside begins to fade away to the ugliness that's on the inside. I've been, I've been to a lot of places like that, Ted. And I wonder sometimes if the church hasn't been come back to the world. Oh, we look good. And we look pretty and we've got nice things and we got this and that. But I wonder sometimes if they don't look at us and just see the ugly. My grandma used to have a saying, "House, don't be ugly. It had nothing to do with your face. It had everything to do with your heart. It had everything to do with your actions. It had everything to do with who you are. And so when the Holy Spirit began to speak that to me, and and, and He he began to talk to me about engaging in our community. And as well, if if we'll make certain adjustments, it'll change the way we engage our community, but it'll also change our own lives. See, God wants your life to be better too, but he also wants us to be able to engage our community better. And so I'm going to start a series called Game Changers, and over the next few weeks, we are going to look at things that I believe will absolutely change the game in your own personal life and in the lives of us as a body of believers. And I I believe these issues will—if we don't change them—they're going to keep us in the dark rather than the light. I believe if we don't change some things, it can keep us sick instead of getting well. I believe if we don't change some things, that it can keep us broke rather than experiencing the God of more than enough. And a lot of it has to do with certain things in our life called attitudes. See, I believe the church, the body, I'm talking about the church now, I'm not talking about this building. I'm not talking about Harvest Christian Fellowship. I'm talking about the church of Satan. Or the church of Because if the church doesn't make some changes, we even some of our attitudes, we're going to constantly come up short with the vision that God has called us to do. And, you know, you may have a, people say, well, what in the world does God care about attitude? Well, we're going to go ahead and ask. We're going to look at some of these things. See, you can have a great attitude at home, but a terrible attitude about work. We can have a great attitude uh, about work, but a terrible attitude about our church. Great attitude around our friends, but to our families, or something totally different. I know I'm not talking about nobody in this room, right? Yeah. And then there are just some people who've got terrible attitudes about everything. And so, as we begin to get into this, well, see, we don't think of attitude as sinful. See, the church has gotten real good about preaching on sin. Don't do this. Don't do that. And we want to take our message that where he talks about sin and what people shouldn't do, and we want to apply that to a bunch of people who haven't come to an awakening of their salvation. They don't even walk with God. They're just, somebody told me one time, you never have to teach a dog to be a dog. They just know how to do it. The problem is, sometimes we just don't teach them to be obedient. I think mean, sometimes us as a, as a body, sometimes we're just left alone to our own devices and we're never really taught what sin really is because we try to make sin all about actions. Don't do this. We, we, we look at sin as this, this thing of I've done something wrong. I've done what I've done. It's a it's about what I've done. It's all about the action that I took rather than the negativity of our thought life. Rather than the condition of my heart. So we're going to talk about the subject of attitudes over the next couple weeks. And uh, <sighs> wrong attitudes come in a whole bunch of different flavors, folks. We're going to look at just a couple. Today I'm going to look at one. Next week we're going to look at what, we're going to re- what we should replace this attitude with. So y'all ready? of Israel, let out of Egypt. I forgot what they were. They were let out of Egypt. They were protected by a fire, protected by the cloud. It led them and done everything. They went through the sea on dry land. They were united in the baptism of a cloud. If they were hungry, it fell from the sky. If they were thirsty, they go and struck a rock and water would come out of a rock. Everything they had was all for them and yet they still had something that was displeasing to God. They worship false gods. Some of this worship turned into. I don't think of an easy way to say this. They're not. Orgies. Alright? Where 23,000 people died in one day? They tested the Lord. And all of a sudden, snakes came everywhere from everywhere in their camp and began to bite them and hundreds of them died. But yet, every time they wanted something, God still provided for them. Ted did a great teaching two weeks ago, or or this past Wednesday, on disciples with dirty feet. And I I thought about that as as I went through and prepared this message. You know, we're disciples. But a lot of times the dirt of this world still gets on our feet. You know, Peter. He told Peter, he said, "Yeah, you're clean, but you still need your feet washed." Sometimes we let our attitudes and stuff just begin to take over. So let's go to First Corinthians chapter ten. We're going to read verses ten and eleven. And I'm reading out of God's Word Translation for the first uh, for these two verses. This is what he tells them: Don't complain. It's like a snow globe. You shake it real hard. I and mean, sometimes you gotta let that stuff settle. Kevin. This is not a request. This is not a please. That's a command. When I would tell Sydney and Reese, don't do it. That means they better not do it. because so doing it had repercussions. And here God is saying, Don't complain as some of them did. Come on, I told you I love you. I really do. You're going to hear me you don't, usually don't hear from me. Don't complain as some of them did. The angel of death destroyed them. What destroyed their life? Children of Israel and, and all that stuff go on. Here's why. And all of these things happen to make them an example for others. These things were written down as a warning for us who are living in the closing days of history. So if there is ever that we may be living in the closing days of this history. And so what's he tell us in the verse before? Don't complain. So here God, now, now all those other things I read to you, I, I quoted to you about them worshiping other gods and them doing other things. These are all in those verses just before verse 10. So here, God is saying that he counts complaining attitudes in the same class as idolatry and sexual sin. Uh Uh-oh. Don't raise your hand. Nobody knows this is about you. But I know where I fall sometimes, and I know where I come up short sometimes, dear. And he goes on to tell them that the writers wrote in, in this Old Testament so that you and I, living in the new covenant of God, don't experience the same things pleading to our old dead nature because Jesus killed the sin nature. So what you're doing is you're feeding a zombie. You're feeding something that's dead and being killed off of you, and by our complaining attitude, and something that's already dead. Y'all okay? See, when when we start talking about this, we probably won't run around and shout. So what does it mean to complain? Let's look at a complaining attitude real quick. This is a game changer. If we can get rid of complaining in our lives, in the church, I believe it will have a whole different... Results of what we can accomplish in the world Because most of the time When they look at the church It's a bunch of people that are hateful
1: Looks
0: like they've sucked on a bunch of lemons They don't have a kind word to say They're complaining about this They're complaining about that They're complaining about this And all the while we're just reaping on ourselves Oh, I won't get into it So to complain Means to utter expressions of grief or lament to utter expressions of disapproval or I just don't agree and I'm going to tell you and then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to tell you how much I don't like it and then I'm going to go over here and you how much I don't like it so everybody breathe come on I'm smiling I ain't going my beard for yeah. this. You don't have to act so happy. <laughs> so to complain is to utter expressions of Greek lament, to utter expressions of disapproval or resentment. It means to murmur. It means to find fault. Well, this is his fault and this is her fault. And this, they did this and that one did that and this one did this and we wouldn't be in this shape if it wasn't for this and that one and the other one. You know what you're doing? You're coming in the same attitude that brought in an angel of death. It's death to the parts of our bodies. It's death to the parts of our bodies. Okay. To charge, to accuse of an offense, to present an accusation against a person to a proper officer. That is what it means to complain. And when we look at these definitions, how many times have we heard the Lord tell us to do something, and then we begin to complain about Him, about what He has told us to begin? But God... But God, now listen, I wouldn't feel this way if Ernie just would've just done what I asked him to do. (laughs) How many times have we begin to pray to God only for our prayers to turn into a bright session? God, I'm telling you, I've told y'all this story a hundred times, but it falls in line with everything. I was, walking, I was a respiratory therapy, a therapist years ago. I walked through the, of the Hospital, and I heard prayer coming from this room. I thought, oh, somebody's praying. I'm going to stop listening. I might go in and pray with him. And he's praying, God, they took my the wife. They took my the car. They took my the house. They took everything. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go in, Bob. I'm going to go in and pray for this guy. We're going to history. And then all of a sudden he says, kill him. Come on, come of idol worshipers and sexual immorality. It's funny how the church wants to judge it is sexual immorality, but it won't judge its own complaining heart. Sometimes we got to move on, sure. When we begin to express resentment and we begin to find fault, sometimes we even find fault with God. God, I don't know why you did me this way. See, what happens then? You're charging God with an offense. You, a created being, are charging your Creator with an offense as if you are His judge, His jury. And then we begin to charge Ted with an offense. Because Ted didn't do the things that I thought he should do and he didn't line up. And so I complained to Tyler and then I complained to Cindy and I found everybody's got a, a, a good complaining spirit. And they all, not funny these people all just kind of confine each other? They find each other and they say, oh, let's just, we're going to pray about it. And it's never really praying; it's just complaining of why everybody else is wrong. Come on. I know it's different for me. Numbers chapter 11. We're going to read out of the Message Translation. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. And the people fell to grumbling over their hard life. These are the people who, when they wanted to, they fell from heaven. These are the people who He led out of Egypt. These are the people who walked across the land on dry ground. These are the people who spent 400 years in bondage. Now He set them free, and what's the first thing they start doing? They start grumbling over their hard life, And they fell the into grumbling over their hard life. and God heard, and when He heard His anger flared. Well the camp. And when God heard His anger flared, then fire blazed up from and burned the outer boundaries of the camp. Notice He didn't affect the people. He was burning the outer boundaries of the camp, and the people cried out to Moses for help, or for help to Moses. And Moses prayed to God, and the fire died down. They named the place to bear, which is blaze, because fire from God had blazed up against them, and the riffraff among the people. Well, we ain't got any of those. See, this is those people who have a complaining heart. They know how to find others with a complaining spirit. And the riffraff among the people had a craving. And soon they had the people of Israel whining. I know, we don't ever do these things. The riffraff had a craving, and then soon they had the people whining. Why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt. You were a slave in Egypt. But we had fish. And got it for free. They were actually saying they got fish for free. What they got, they got fish for working out in the hot Egyptian sun all day long making bricks. And holding buildings together with mud and clay that they had to lift, tug, pull and do all on their own To begin to look somewhere else, he said we had to say nothing of the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlics, but nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. You get it for free. You go out in the morning and it's everywhere. More than enough. More than enough. You'll never. Now, I like verse 7. Manna was a sea-like substance with a shiny appearance like resin. And the people went around collecting it on the ground between stones and pounded it. Sorry, and grounded it, grounded it between stones and pounded it into a fine mortar. and they boiled it in a pot and shaped it into cakes. And it tasted like a delicacy. Delicacy, sorry. Cooked an olive They had cake. Anybody how the church would rather go back into the bondage of religion and ignore the greatness of what God is doing in us now? Verse 9. And the dude fell on the camp at night, and the man was right there with it. They got up in the morning and there was man everywhere. They get ready to go to bed at night, there's man everywhere. And Moses heard the whining. All those families whining in front of their tents. So they wouldn't pray enough to come to Moses. So they did it in their houses. We'll just have them for dinner. And God's anger blazed up. And Moses saw that things were in a bad way. Folks, a complaining heart puts our lives in a bad way. Philippians chapter 2. You mean I can't never say anything? This doesn't mean you don't have an opinion about something. But just because you have an opinion doesn't mean everybody. See, that's that's the problem with our country right now. I'm gonna get- I try not to get political very often, y'all know that. Everybody wants everybody to have the same opinion, and when everybody doesn't have that same opinion, then we just want to try to destroy each other. All right, going on. Philippians chapter two, verse thirteen. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. I just want to do what pleases God. Good. Live. Because he has already put in you everything you need to please him. He's already in you. I'm God to show me what to do so I can please him. He already did. Come on. See, that's what religion does. Let me whip myself to make sure I can get myself to where I can please God. God says I already put inside of you everything to bring the desire Verse 14, now I'm reading out the passage translation, live a cheerful life, just like he said back in our first Corinthians, he said don't complain was the command, here's another one, live a cheerful life, but I'm mad. His command was live a cheerful life, but I'm upset. And his command is still, Ron, to live a cheerful life. That's on you. But everything's not going my way, or the, the way I think it should go. Your your command is still, don't complain and live a cheerful life. Well, this is hard. This is called maturity. My kids are finding out being grown up being grown ups hard sometimes. Here's finding that out too. Live a cheerful life. Look what else he says. Now, without complaining or division among yourselves. For them. So if I live a cheerful life, see, and I don't complain, verse 4 15 tells me what comes next. For then, I will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God. I thought all I had to do was pray that prayer. That's all. Okay. Jesus took care of that way before you even prayed a prayer. All you had to do is accept that reality. And when you accept that reality then your job comes in what is your job to live a cheerful life without complaining and then you'll be seen as innocent faultless and pure children of god even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture for you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe so when i live a cheerful life Matt, and when i live a life without complaining all of a sudden, my image to those on the outside had nothing to do with me standing with my picket time. Standing with my bullhorn on the street corner, telling everybody they're going to hell. They're not passing go. As if you don't ever stop talking. when people hear it, or what do they hear because <laughs> they're going so fast to get away from you. And we call that effective witnessing. Effective witnessing about the goodness of God is me living a cheerful life when everything's going to hell and me living a life that I'm just not complaining about everything going to hell. And then I'm seen as innocent, I'm seen as pure, I'm thoughtless, and pure child of God. And to them out there, I'm seen as a bright and shining light in the universe. The reason why they're not running in here to us is because we can't turn the lights on yet. Oh. Verse 16. When I live a cheerful life... Without complaining, Luke 1 verse 16, the first, very first part of 16 says, what am I doing? I'm offering them the words of eternal life. The words of eternal life are not found in my gripping, my whining, and my complaining. The words of eternal life is me living in that cheerfulness of knowing that I am settled with God, and God is good, and He wants nothing but good for you, and He wants nothing but good for them. And when I settle in that, and live living my life as not complaining to them. All of a sudden, I'm light in the universe, and it's dark, and I'm offering them words of eternal life. Imagine if we just eliminated complaining out of our lives. Word says we'd be killed. Flawless, blameless. But we complain. Even about things we have no control over. It's hot. 10 o'clock this morning, it was 85 degrees. It's hot. I'm sweating. But I can't change it. But does it stop me from complaining about it? It should. I'm guilty. Don't raise your hand. I'm just going to tell myself. I'm guilty. I don't do this right all the time. Or we complain about how things are run at work. Well, if I was a boss, I'd do it this way. I'd do it that way. You know, they don't listen to me, though. I'm going to go over here and practice Tyler about it. And all of a sudden, Tyler, who's oblivious to the whole thing, he's just living his cheerful life. All of a sudden, he's he's being influenced by a complaining heart. And he starts going, Yeah! Yeah! It's funny how easily influenced we've become, complaining hearts find themselves, attracted to themselves. Teenagers, I don't think we have to be here now, it's not wrong. But those of you who are still living in your parents' house, they live in the world. parents, they complain about decisions parents made, that they thought were unreasonable, but they don't understand what's going on outside of this. They just see the immediate thing. People complain the way things to run at church. I don't know about you. Folks, there's no difference in this. Not the complaining and the same complaining that kept the children of Israel walking in a circle for 40 years, never achieving their destiny cause of their complaining. So what do I do? I got to remember that my complaining attitude is what God sees as something that harms my life. My flesh enjoys it. It feels good to run my mouth. <laughs> See, I, I got one honest person in the whole room because I know every one of you it's like, Fuck. she just admitted. It feels good to the flesh but what's it doing to my life? And there's a sense of satisfaction that comes with complaining. That's why we do it. Or it just needed to be said. Did it? Did it really need to be said? Because what change did it make? Or did it just cause division? Or did it just cause strife? Somebody pulls out in front of me on the road? And But you know it's never over in that instant, is it? Forty miles down the road, we're still running over in our head. That's stupid. stupid. <laughs> See why? Because complaining gets us deep, and it keeps us holding on to things even after it's over. Complaining causes us to hold on to things even when it's over. <laughs> Back to First Corinthians chapter 2, verse ten. I'm almost there, folks. 1 Corinthians 10.10, God's word translation, he says, don't complain, as some of them did. The angel of death destroyed them. So God puts my complaining in the same category that brings death. But if you go back and you begin to look at numbers that we read earlier, God, he gets angry, Moses prays, the anger dies down. Then they started complaining and whining again because there's always one message where, he said, there's riffraff. It just likes to stir up issues. And now they hear the whining, and God's angry again. I want to go back to Numbers 11. Go to verse 11 out of the message because look how Moses changes his prayers. Moses says to God, Why are you treating me this way? Now he's complaining to God about the whining, complaining, children Israel, As if God is out to hurt them. God, why are you treating me this, this way? What did I ever do to deserve this? Did I conceive them? Was I their mother? So why build the responsibility of this people on me? Why tell me to carry them around like a nursing mother? Carry them all the way to the land you promised them to their ancestors. Why am I supposed to get meat for all these people? Oh, where am I supposed to get meat for all these people uh, who are whining to me? Give us meat. We want meat. I can't do this by myself. It's too much. Does this ever sound like our prayers to God? It's too much, God. I can't handle this. Something's got to give. Brought too much on me, God. If this is how you intend to treat me, this is Moses. Do me a favor and kill me. I've seen enough. I've had enough. Let me out of here. Oh, don't that sound like so? We think we're accomplishing something by praying this way. This is what brought God's anger. This is what stirred God up. This is what is sin. Not some crazy action people were doing. Yeah, but I wouldn't have to complain if they wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't have to complain, but this just isn't right. I wouldn't have to complain, but they're wrong. According to you. Because you see, sometimes an instant. They may see a month down the road because they've been there. Or God sees the rest of your life and you're complaining about a circumstance you find yourself in. Okay. And so like Moses, we complain. Folks, this, this isn't what's going to bring blessing. Well, I have the right to my opinion. Yes, you do. I have the right to give it. Yes, you do. And somebody else has the right not to listen to it. So if you give it and you feel like that's what you needed to do, then go on about your business and don't complain about it anymore. You know, just got to be my way. Everybody go, okay. I know this is totally different for me. I'm telling you, this will change us. This is a game changer. This is a game changer, and we have so much going for us in this nation, why in the world are we complaining? We have so much going for us in this church, why are we complaining? You have so much going for you in your homes, why are we complaining? Well, I want food that comes every day. Okay, a drop it from heaven. I want water. Get a rock. I want this. Okay. See, sometimes we need to remind ourselves about to God. Here's every word of our complaints. Philippians chapter two. And I think we're going to close here. I want to read this again. You say, "Well, Rick, see, today is just about exposing this. Next week, we want to talk about replacing complaint. So, if you like this, come back. I so, man, I don't know if I like this or not. This has been kind of harsh. Oh, me too. I wish I could tell you I don't ever complain. Well, I could tell you that, and then I got to repeat to you for lying. Because that's a lie. Right. Let's just be real. That's one thing we've learned in this church over the last few years. Let's just be real about it. I wish I could say I do this right all the time, but man, I sure try. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Live a cheerful life. The the world's going crazy. That's not on me. I'm responsible for my life. And I'm responsible for how I react to it. Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves. For them, when when I live a cheerful life and I don't complain, for them you will be seen as innocent, faultless, a pure child of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. That's where we're living right now, isn't it? See this word, you would have thought he, he knew what was going to happen in 2020. Imagine God knew that. And so he gave us this word. Even though you live in a brutal and perverse culture, live a cheerful life without complaining. Because then you'll be seen innocent, you'll be seen faultless, and you'll be seen as a pure child of God. For you will appear to them. Well, I just want to reach the world. You're not going to do a complaint. I don't know about y'all, I do not like to hear people complain. I really try not to. I'm not perfect. Person. But I'm telling you, if I'm around somebody that complains all the time, and complains all the time, you don't notice I start doing this. Because I don't want to be rude and complain about their complaining. So we to just make a way out here. Why? I don't need to be around it. Because it's contagious. And when I do this, when the world outside sees me not complaining and living a cheerful life, then to them, I am a bright, shining light in the universe. I just want to be a light of God. Well, there you go. Quit complaining. Live a cheerful life. Quit grumbling. And that makes you with a bright light of God. And the first verse of uh, verse 16, he said, not only will unto uh, them I will be an amazing, sh- I'm a shining light in the universe, but I will be offering them the words of eternal life. Just by me living a cheerful life and stop complaining. So let me ask you this over the next few weeks we're going to talk about This week has been complaining. I just want to expose Let's pull the mask off and show it for what it really is. Next week we're going to look at what what am I going to... If I'm not going to complain, what am I going to do? I'll give you a hint. I always told D I wanted to start my own news station. Because the news is toxic. All right. I <laughs> what I wanted to do is when they report that there's a 10-car pilot on the highway model, I want to say that there were 600 cars on the bottom. <laughs> I've lost a finger. Thank God I've got my on. See, there is something you can replace complaining with. And next week we're going to talk about being thankful. So I hope you've come out. And I hope this week it challenges us. to No more complaining. Because living a cheerful life is your choice. It's no one else's. And God can't make you live a cheerful life. Your disposition is the one you choose to hold. So that's our challenge. No more complaining. And then we'll be seen as faultless, blameless, and pure children of God. Shining the lights in the universe to those who sit in darkness and offering to them the words of eternal life. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Father, I thank you that you give us the wisdom, the strength of what's needed. Father, I thank you that you allow us these times in your word to show us things that we may not have even known was in there. And so, Father, I challenge ourselves today. Let us become a people who live a cheerful life, not complaining. And as hard as it can be, I know we can do it. Because we have you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.